When I was a young guy, I, I realized that I had the capacity to envision things and see things that weren't, but yet I thought they could eventually be. I did not realize that everybody else did not have that capacity working in the same way I did. Matter of fact, it took me long into my life to realize that. I thought everybody could see a vision. If they just would, they were just being too stubborn to see it. But I realized, wait a minute. Everybody doesn't have all kinds of visions and all kinds of dreams and all kinds of thoughts about what the future could be. They don't drive into town as I did last week to my hometown I grew up in and drive into town. I'm looking around and thinking, oh, oh, oh my, oh man, this town is tired. This town is in trouble. And I'm thinking, I wonder if they could do this. I wonder if we could do, you know, that type of thing. You kind of have, you, some of you walk into a room and you can just see how the people flow would be easier. You go in the DMV office and you think, man, if you just do this, get everybody in and out of here. You drive down the road, you think if the construction crew would just be here during the night instead of during the day, can I get a witness in the house? You'd be able to drive on down the road and uh, you're just thinking all kinds of things because you have a vision of that. Robert Kennedy said this, he said, some men see things as they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. I like that. It is looking at something and thinking maybe there's a possibility, maybe God is saying something. And so Caleb, who we are looking at today in our passage, he goes to Joshua and he says, Josh, you remember, it was about 40 years ago that we went into the promised land with all the spies. Only you and I saw what could be. They've been to 38 years worth of funerals with all their friends. All the way down to age 20 have died. All of their peers are gone. They've been to a lot of funerals. But he remained optimistic and he says, wow, I believe God has something more. I believe there is something next. I believe the dream that God has put in my heart can become a reality even though it has been many years since he put that dream within my heart. Some of you sitting here today, you have a dream that God has given you a dream of a better marriage, a dream of a child returning to Christ, a dream of continuing your education, a dream of something. I don't know what it is. You do. God does. And you know what it is. And you have that dream in your heart and you want it to come alive. This might be the very year that God wake, awakens that dream within you to where you begin to see things as they could be instead of seeing things as they are. You begin by just adjusting a degree or two. And as you do adjust a degree or two, you begin to change your destiny and your marriage gets stronger and your children respond better. And you begin to realize you're pursuing one class and then another and you're getting a degree or whatever it is that God has put on your heart. And Joshua knew that Caleb had followed God wholeheartedly. It said it twice in our passage read just a little bit ago, but those aren't the only places where it refers to him as following God with his whole heart. He followed God with his whole heart. This was a God dream. This wasn't a Caleb dream. This was a God-inspired situation in his heart, not just an ego-centered thing. You see, very often we get these dreams and ambitions of something that's not of God, we get this dream and ambition of something that could be, and we start pursuing that with all of our heart and with all of our might, and then we ask God to come and bless it. 
But we need to follow God, right? We need to do what God is blessing. We need to be able to say, Lord, what is your will? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And when we do that, he begins to bring some stuff together that begins to make sense. And pretty soon we're starting to say, wow, I never could have done this on my own. But with God, all things are possible. Can I get a witness in the house? You know that that's the way it is. And so when we link up with God, we begin to see the possibilities for our life. Other people may marginalize us. As a matter of fact, Caleb's name meant dog. How many of you have a dog? His name meant dog. I can't imagine how he had been called at school. I can't imagine if he was in our world right now, what he'd been called on the ball field. I can't imagine what they'd have called him when he was a new person on the, on the job site. But I want to tell you something. God saw him and God promised him a future that was brighter than his present. And you know what? God looks at you and he sees you where you are. And sometimes we say, yeah, but Kev, I'm old. My days are done. They're all behind me. I really don't think there's anything ahead of me. My best days are done. Are you sure? What are your best days? How does God measure your best days? Caleb came to Joshua here, and he was not a young man. He's an old man, 85 years young. The other day, we were in my mother's backyard, and my granddaughter Lily was there. And my granddaughter Lily just got introduced to baseball. And it was a plastic ball about that big and a bat, and so she was learning how to hit the ball. And they explained, you hit it up at this end. So she went to my mother who is 90, and she said to her, would you like to play baseball? And my mom said, sure. And so she walks out in the yard because my mom used to play ball. She knows a little bit about it, but Lily was telling her, you hit the ball up here, so I'll pitch it and you hit it. And my mom said, okay. And so Lily backed away about five feet and she threw the ball and my mom swung the bat, hit the ball, and the ball went right back to Lily and hit her, bounced off. She didn't mind. She lifted her hands in jubilation and said, you did it. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. And some of you are sitting here and you're 80 years old, you're 90 years old. I want to tell you it's time you lift up your arms and we're lifting them up with you and we're about to say you did it because God wants to do something in your life. He wants to help you to do this season. This season now. You know, Paul said it this way. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what he's saying? I can do all things through the seasons God brings me into. So we can do this season, right? We can do whatever God is asking us to do. And here he is, an old man. Notice, first of all, Caleb dreamed a God-sized dream. He dreams his God-sized dream. It's not a small dream. He knows he cannot do it on his own. But with God, all things are possible. His spiritual imagination is activated. He is now having a sanctified vision of the future. He is saying, I see how things are, but I see how things could be. I see that land over there. It is absolutely amazing. I've already been there. I can just imagine our families in that land. I can imagine our grandkids there. I can imagine our animals there, our crops there. I can imagine all of this stuff there. And he says, I can just see that future is brighter. And I wish this for all of our family and all of our kids and all of our grandkids. He says, I see this. This is what God is calling us to do. Bruce and Doreen Shannon, several years ago, when I pastored over in Bethlehem, they were members of the congregation, and a trip was planned to go to Haiti, and somebody gave them these little footy sock things that you use at the hospital to keep from sliding around. They've got the little scoot guard on the bottom. You've seen them. Maybe you've worn them. And anyway, they gave them some of those, said, could you take these to Haiti, and would they have any use for them? They said, we'll take them. And the rest is really history. They took those socks, and then they began to take other things, and eventually they take all kinds of rejects from the, from the uh, hospital. 
Things that the hospital might open up and use two or three of and have four or five left, they would be able to box them up and they shipped them. They've gone over 50 countries around the globe with all these things from x-ray machines to all this other stuff. I say this because here they are in their 70s, nearly 80 years old, and they're praising God and they're still going strong and still shipping things around the world. They're not stopping. You don't have to stop. You don't need to quit. God is for you and God is with you. He had toured that land. He had seen the grapes. They're huge. It took two guys with a stick to haul them. They were 8 to 10 pounds, or 8 to 10, 12 pounds, something like that, uh, heavy. And the pomegranates and the figs and all this other stuff. Verse 27, they said they, they described this as a land flowing with milk and honey. A land flowing with milk and honey. Now, it doesn't mean the river had milk. But what he's talking about is, it's an abundant land. The water is there. The river is there. And this is a fertile place. We know there can be future, and there can be promise, and there can be abundant life in the future that we are able to experience there. And they said, this is a life for us. We want to be able to go there. When I came to pastor here about 19 years ago, I remember being over in the other building, and for years in my ministry, I'd envision preaching to an audience at least this big. And I believe that God was going to call me into that. And so I remember preaching over there and, and believing for what God would do in the future. And, and I remember whenever in my mind I saw this building becoming a reality and in my prayer I saw it becoming a reality. And then when our board began to see it as a, as a reality. And uh, I remember one day I was talking to Naomi Ziegenfuss. Naomi Ziegenfuss from our congregation, a wonderful lady. She said, I hope I live to see that building and I can worship in there. And I tell you what, it was a beautiful thing. When I walked up on this stage on that day when we were opening this thing up, and when you look out in the congregation and you do a job like I'm doing, you see different people and you know some of their stories and you know some of their hopes and dreams. And to be able to look back in here, I could hardly contain myself with the different dreams across the congregation becoming reality. And I looked back and I could see her. Man, I was about to explode because I knew there was a God moment that was happening right here before our very eyes. It's a God dream. And here she was later in her life, and she was able to move into this place and worship here. And I praise God for that. And then what about Drew and Sandy Ekman? Drew and Sandy Ekman one day stopped me back here in the lobby or in the back of the church. We had had a vision day. And we had been talking about possibilities over at Lehighton. And they attended our congregation here, but then they moved over to Lehighton and began attending over there because that's closer to their area. And so they were going to the church over there, and we went over to the junior high where we had been renting and meeting and said, you know, God's going to open a door. I don't know where it is. Maybe the place is already built. Maybe we have to build it. Whatever's going to happen. But God is going to do it. Please pray that God is going to do it. And she showed me this notebook right back there in this room. She opened up this notebook and she said, look, I wrote down the day you said that. This place, Franklin Middle School. Is that an amazing thing or what? And I didn't know it, and she didn't know it, but God knew it, and there it was, prophetically spoken, that we would be able to go into that place. And so when they gave me the bulletin the other day when I was over there walking in to the worship space, they, she and her husband handed me that bulletin. I was so excited in myself, I about blew up and exploded just because of the praise for God to think that I have witnessed a God moment, a God miracle. It's absolutely amazing what can happen. And I believe he's doing some things right now in this room. And I believe he's doing some things for those of you watching online. God is at work today. I know he is at work. He's touched my body to let me preach today. I didn't even know if I could, and he has. And I thank God for the help that he has given us in this place even today. Caleb communicated a God-sized dream also. Here he is, an old man. 
He doesn't have the microphone always, but he has a microphone a couple of times. He told all the spies and all the people, I think we can go in there. Now he has a microphone. He tells Joshua, I believe it's time for us to go in there. You see, sometimes the things that are endings create new beginnings. You, you grieve a chapter that is lost in your life, but you begin to rejoice in the new chapter God is opening up. Some of you lost a job. Some of you said goodbye to something in your life, someone in your life, but God is now opening up a new chapter in your life. You don't have to grieve that forever. We're made to be able to move forward and to move on and to move ahead. And some of you need to be able to do that. Work through the grief, but move ahead. Don't hold on. You don't want to carry a corpse with you forever. The corpse of a job, the corpse of that person that left you, the corpse of even our friends that deceased. We need to move forward. You can't live now if you're living in the past. You can't live in your tomorrow if you're living in yesterday. We got to live now and into tomorrow. Can I get a witness somewhere in the house? We need to be able to do that. When I was being scoped out to come here as lead pastor years ago, among the group that went was Ron Jordan from our congregation. Arranged was a secretary here when I came in, one of them, Peggy another. And Ron served on our board, and he was on the team that was scoping out prospective pastors. And I happened to recognize a group that had come in to the church that day. And I said to him, you're here on a mission, aren't you? And they said, yes, we are. And I said, how about we go down to Applebee's and sit down and have some refreshment and lunch together, and maybe we can uh, just kind of see where things are. And so we met up there and talked. Then after coming to the church here, I saw that Lorraine was an idea machine. My star, she's one of these people that can walk down the hall and get a new idea. I love being around people like that. They can just create and dream, and next level starts happening. And it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. But eventually, Ron's job ended where he was. And there was some confusion. No, he didn't get fired. But there was just some of this, God, where are you? What's up with this? You ever been there? In that moment, you're unsettled and you don't know what's next. And I remember talking with him and praying for him and asking God to show them. And I remember they said, we're going to start our own company. They said, we're going to go ahead and start up our own company. And they attend the first service here. He's still on our board and still a very active person in our church. And they started the Jordan Construction Company. And some of you work with them and some of you have benefited from their work. And they've done a lot of work here at the church. They started a company. Started small. Then it began to grow, began to grow, began to grow. And six years in a row, it has been recognized by the Lehigh Valley Business Association as the fastest growing company in our area. It has been honored as the best of the valley by the Lehigh Valley Magazine. Six-time excellence in construction winner by the Associated Builder Contractors. 2018, Corporate Citizen of the Year from the Lehigh Valley Business. 2019, Veteran, he's a veteran, Veteran-Owned Business of the Year for the Lehigh Valley Business. 2019, Excellence in Business Award from the Greater Lehigh Valley Chamber. 2020, General Contractor of the Year by the Associated Builders Contractors. I say thanks be to God 
for the new beginning and for the willingness they had to walk in the new life that God gave to them. <laughs> I share this for you to give you hope today. We're coming out of COVID. We're coming out of a corrupt political situation where we can't figure out what was what. We're coming out where they're wanting to upset the educational situations in our institutions and in our public learning around us. It's time for people to stand for God. It's time for people to stand for righteousness. It's time to stand for the dream that God puts in your heart. Tyler Laubach of our congregation was a, a young kid when I came here, just a, just a young kid. And he went through our youth group like some of the youth here are going through. And uh, then he went through Northampton High School and graduated with top honors in Northampton High School. Wonderful fellow. And his folks are sitting right back here. And Mary leads a daycare down here. And, and Tom is one of our key musicians here. And here they are, raising up their kids. And you never know what your kid will become, right? But he said, I want, he said to me, I want to be a doctor if the Lord will allow me to be. That's what I believe he's wanting me to be. He went off to Indiana Wesleyan. He continued his higher learning. And right now, this weekend, he's in Wichita, Kansas. I've been there a number of times, know where it is. And he is there in his residency program. It did not happen by accident. It happened because God placed a dream in his heart. And he had the dream in his heart, and he pursued it with all of his might. And it didn't happen immediately, and it didn't happen without hurdles and tests and trials. But here he is today, beginning to live the reality of the dream that God placed in his heart. This is a beautiful thing. You and I have the capacity to do this. And I thank God for that. And it's not just somebody down the street but it's people right here in this audience, people sitting right around you, and you, and you, and you, and all the rest, experiencing the best that God has, and the blessings that God has, and what he wants to give. Glenn Chamberlain, a member of our congregation, uh, retired after a distinguished career. And after he retired from his career, we were right in the process, the early days of building this building. I mean, footer and everything. And Glenn came over here day after day and volunteered his time. And he took, he took the building general contractor out to eat and had him in his home, and he just became a good friend. And he was doing great things, wonderful things, right here at this building, meaningful things. And he said to us one day, he said, yes, he said, I take bike rides. I said, oh, that's nice. I'm thinking about getting a bike too. He said, well, I take bike rides. 30 miles, 70 miles, 100 miles. And then he said to me, he said, I'm going to ride out to my sons in Indiana on my bike. I said, man, you are straight up nuts. <laughs> he went by and saw an old mini home sitting out. He refurbished it. His wife drove that. He'd ride 100 miles a day and drove six, 700 miles out there. And then he gets back. He said, I think I'm going to drive down to my daughter's in South Carolina. <laughs> I said, you're double nuts. He did the same thing down to his daughter's in uh, South Carolina. And he had a chainsaw accident and whacked the toes off of his right foot recently. And he was sitting right over here. Glenn has a positive attitude. And he said this to me. He said, it's all right, Pastor. It's all right. He'll be walking. And I'll tell you what, he's in his 70s. He'll be out doing most of us before very long. That's just who he is. And what about Paul Willistein? Paul's sitting right there. 
Paul is a distinguished writer and journalist among us in our communities, and he has served in a greater area in our area for a number of years in a very distinguished career. He's the editor of the Lehigh Valley Press Focus Section, and he has received award after award, year after year. He has received 26 awards for outstanding excellence, pursuing with all of his might to honor God in everything he is doing. Paul, God bless you. Thanks for setting a pace. Caleb knew the promise was from God, and he knew God's promise plus his effort coming together and believing it. You see, when, when I knew this could be a possibility to come into this place, I knew that I had to believe it. I knew that I had to receive it, and I knew I had to act on it. You can't just have a vote and say we'll do it and not do anything, but you have to take a vote and say you'll do it and have the groundbreaking. Remember that? Some of you do. Remember the fireworks? It was fabulous. And, and we had that big old scoop. Bill was on that big scoop and brought that sucker down and pulled out that dirt. Man, I chills went up and down me. I shouted hallelujah because I knew full well what was coming. We were going to be coming into this place, and a lot of you I didn't even know. And a lot of you didn't even know me, and we didn't know we didn't know each other, but we didn't. And now we know each other. And you know what I know? God is helping family after family and person after person, and he is bringing people to himself. And many of you have said since COVID, you maybe weren't really close to Christ, but you've started attending church, and you're closer to Christ now than you have been in decades of your life. And it is a beautiful thing, and I'm glad we had this place ready for you when you got here. Thanks be to God for what he has chosen to do. Caleb said this in Numbers 13 and verse 30. He said, we should go up and possess the land. We can certainly do it. Don't you like the positive attitude? I sat there looking at my mom the other day, and I thought, how in the world do you live to be 90? If she lives through this month of June, she will have outsurvived the length of time of her mom, her dad, and her four siblings. I said, how do you do that? And you know what I think part of it is? She has a positive attitude. She just, she just believes something good's going to happen. She knew I was having some voice trouble this morning, and my phone rang, and I thought, who in the world's calling me? And I didn't want to answer it. It was 15 minutes before I was supposed to preach, and it was my mother. And she said, I just want to know how your voice is, and I want to pray a word with you. And she prayed a word with me, and God touched me, and I thank God for that this morning. Beautiful. Let me give you a saying. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know where I got it or if I made it up. I don't even know. But I think somebody smarter than me said it. Big obstacles imply a small God. Big God implies small obstacles. Write that down somewhere because you're going to need that to draw from. The people around Caleb in Numbers 13, they're saying in verse 28, the people who live in that land are powerful. Verse 28, it's large and fortified. Verse 33, the giants are living there. Verse 33, they have grasshoppers. We're just like grasshoppers there. We're not even... We're not even uh, that's what they were doing. And I've been around people who have done that and made me just nauseated sick. Verse 32, they spread gloom and doom. And so many of their friends believe those people. They believe the bad report. But Caleb believed the good report. <laughs> and he believed God wholeheartedly. Orville and Wilbur Wright had flown their plane a little bit. And they were excited about it. And it was nearing Christmas. And they sent a telegram to their home. And the telegram said... We flew our plane. And then a second thought was added, we will be home at Christmas. Their sister got that. And her sister got that 
telegram and ran over to a reporter and said, look, my brother's got to fly their plane and they, they're going to be home at Christmas. And he said, let me see it. And he read it and he said, oh, your brothers, they'll be home at Christmas. I see. They completely missed the point. The world had changed forever. We're going to fly around the world. Many of us have flown many places around the world. It's absolutely amazing. And Caleb also lived out his God-sized dream. You know, when I was in ninth grade metal shop class, just an elective class that I took, Mr. Minch was the teacher. He had long hair and a Fu Manchu. He was cool. He wasn't that big a guy, but he was always busy. <laughs> and Mr. Minch taught me several things. You know one of the things he taught me? Talks cheap. He would say this. We'd go up to him. We'd say, Mr. Minch, we want to build a toolbox. He'd say, Federoff, talks cheap. Go do it. And I built a toolbox and whatever else. Do you have a dream that God has put in your heart? It may be delayed. Maybe a book you're supposed to write, a movie you're supposed to create. Maybe it's a relationship that's supposed to get better. Maybe it's a friendship that's supposed to begin. Maybe it's a new hobby. Maybe it's discontinuing, losing some weight or something. Maybe it's negative talk. Maybe it's a habit you're trying to break. Maybe it's a new pattern you're trying to establish in your life. You cannot do it on your own, but with God, all things are possible. You know that. You can do this. Caleb remembered that God had promised him the land. He's 85 years young. He thinks about the well-fed people. If they go over there, well-fed livestock. He thinks about the produce. He thinks about everybody else around him being able to thrive there. The young people around He thinks this is good. Look what he says in Joshua 14 of our passage today, verse 11. He says, I'm as strong today as I was the first day I saw the land. I'm just as strong I can do this. The dream has been delayed 40 years. Your dream maybe has been delayed a while. God doesn't always bring it about immediately. If you're in grade school or junior high and you dream of getting married someday, you probably won't get married in grade school or junior high. Let me know if you do, but I don't think that's going to happen. You'll probably have that dream delayed a little bit until you're ready for that. But Caleb says, look at verse 12 of our passage. Joshua 14, look at it. He, Caleb says this, give me this mountain. He didn't say, give me all of that flat land. Give me all that easy to get to land. He doesn't say that. He says, I want this. And notice in verse 14, it says there of Caleb that he had wholly followed the Lord. And Caleb tells Joshua that. And Joshua remembers that he has wholly followed the Lord. And he begins to take this land. He wants the land where the giants are. He wants the land that is a mountain. He wants the land that isn't so easy. You see, some people have a dream and they just think it's all supposed to be easy. Let me tell you something. It is not easy doing what you're getting ready to do. You're going to have to go through some stuff to be able to come through with the reality of your dream. You don't just get there just because you have the dream in your heart. You've got to get off your seat, get on your feet, and get her done. If you're going to be able to see it happen, and as you lean into God and trust into God, you will understand what Don Minch taught me, talks cheap. Do it for God, and with him all things are possible, and he always brings it for his glory and none of yours. We thought this church was going to be back up on this hill back when, but God wanted this church right here, right here. 
And guess where we put it? Where he wanted it. Where he wanted it. Where are you putting the things that he's asking you to do? What are you doing with them? You make that decision. Caleb didn't ask for a maintenance-free, energy-saving nursing home. He said, I want the land with the giants in it. That's the very land that the spies rejected. Did you hear that? Oh, very land. They said, oh, there are too many spies, too many, too many giants. And he said, no, give me the land with giants. That's where he went. I end with this quote from Bobby Kennedy. All of us might wish at times that we lived in a tranquil world, but we don't. And if our difficult and perplexing, if our times are difficult and perplexing, so are they challenging and filled with opportunity. <sighs> Man, when I was driving back on the zillions of miles from Missouri to here, I was detour once in a while and rain, <laughs> wipers, sit in traffic, and drive 90 mile an hour when we finally made it free because we had to beat the clock, you know. More or less. I was thinking about some of the victories God has given us here. And I was thinking about the many, many, many people sitting here. And how God has chosen to raise us up and plant a couple of churches. And how I think he's going to do it again. But let me tell you this. It's not all about the buildings and about the number of buildings and about the number of people. My heart is, I want you to win. I want you to win. You to win. You to win. You to win. You. Your family. You. You. I want every one of you to win because He's given me a love for you. But way beyond that, He loves you. Go ahead and, as Pastor Justin said in a prayer, just unlock your heart. Let the Holy Spirit come in and make you what you ought to be. 2020 is crazy, but this, the last I checked, is 2021. Time is marching on. And God is in 2021. Link up with Him. Link up with Him and do what He's blessing now. Our Father, we don't know exactly what you're saying to everyone, but we know you're speaking to us today. And we, as your children, want to hear you. We don't want to do things on our own or run ahead of you. and We're nothing if we do that. But Lord, we know that when we walk with you, life can be really, really an amazing experience. So all across this room and those watching right now online and parking lot in the lobby. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to each one of us that the dream that you have put in our heart would awaken within and we would seek to honor you in this day, in this season, believing you, trusting you, declaring you for your honor and your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Let's